Hi, I'm Sally. I'm Linda. And I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Oolong. Welcome back, everyone, to our 58th episode. Today, I think we're going to be talking to a really cool guest that we invited onto our podcast. Um, we wanted to invite her on mostly because I think we all have little hobbies that we do. And especially during COVID, we've picked up a few on the side. But we've always, or at least I've kind of wondered what it would be like to really turn it into a side hustle or a business. And we hear about that a lot. So I think our guests will have a lot to speak on that. But before we introduce her, let's get started with our weeks. Um, Sally, how was your week? <laughs> My week has been pretty good, actually. In like, I think... The determining factor if my week is good or not is like how work is going. But I don't want to talk about work. So basically, <laughs> my work has been doing well. Um, and so this weekend, I actually um, brought my sister onto U- the UMD campus for like a walking tour to like show her around all the buildings. And it was like super weird to be on campus as a graduate because I felt like I was mm. like, I forgot someone was talking about this. I think Linda is the one that used that analogy. It was like going, playing on the playground as a kid, like as an adult. (laughs) But yeah, it was weird, but also nice to be back on the campus and like reminisce like where we made our memories, like in these buildings. But everything was very different because everything was closed, um, like limited hours because of COVID. And like a lot of things that I want to show her were like, um, like different or like I couldn't access them anymore. Even McKeldin, you need a you need a card to swipe in to mm-hmm. go into McKeldin the library. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit disappointing, but we got like jumbo jumbo and the rolled <laughs> ice cream afterwards. So That's I felt like tour. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was back in UMD, and my mom really enjoyed it too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in other news, um, I've just started my third session of my pottery class, and this time I'm taking a different section. So I have a different instructor. And at first I was a little hesitant. Well, I wanted to go for the same section and same instructor again, but I didn't get, it was already filled up, so I didn't get a spot. So then I had to go to the Monday class. And I was hesitant because I don't know, like anytime you change like environments or like a new teacher, you're a little like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. I'm mean, like used to the people that I've been doing pottery with. I already became friends with like three, four of the girls that I used to do pottery with. But now they like start oh, fresh, shoot. new teacher. But she's super nice. She's actually the owner of the pottery, like the pottery class, like teaching shop. And then also the shop next door that's sells the pottery so super knowledgeable and nice and she's also really young and mm. yeah there's only there was only three people including me in the class when I went this week so maybe because it was a Monday night like people can't really make it out all the time but it was a different very, mm. very different environment than my normal Thursday night class but then they can focus on you you know yeah they fight true. for attention like the teacher student ratio <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah oh do you guys like, know we have uh, gonna have commencement oh sorry oh if the college is gonna have commencement they're inviting us like our class to join their in-person really? commencement i will not be attending i was not invited anyways i'm also not <laughs> yeah i don't oh, think okay. i heard anything about that but 
I would not attend. I feel like it's already um, so far in the past that I don't even want to think about that anymore. Right. Yeah. Sally, when you did the tour on campus, like when you were walking around, did you feel like you were a student still or did it feel kind of removed? Like, oh, I'm beyond this. Definitely felt removed. And whenever I saw groups of students walking past, I'm like, uh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> you were them. I know, that was me, but like, it's so weird seeing them now. I don't know. Yeah, that's all for my update. <laughs> Linda? Mm, I have a small continuation from my update last week about rooting around in people's yards for bamboo <laughs> shoots. So we walked by this lady's house that we told her that we might go into her yard sometime because she has lots of bamboo and then like we didn't see her come up and then she like ran up behind us we were like like hunched over on in the ground like looking for stuff and then she's like oh my god I've been waiting for you guys <laughs> and she's like stay here and she ran back into her house and she's like I picked these for you oh and it's like a bag of baby bamboo shoots oh, wow. and it was so cute she's like this old white lady she's like can you eat them like i know these were the right ones but i put them all in this bag but she like ripped up the little baby ones that are too young to eat she like (laughs) ripped them up prematurely from from the ground but my mom and the lady exchanged numbers and she's like our personal bamboo shoot harvester now she's like i'll be ready for next time (laughs) so that was super cute and yeah, I think that's a long story. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end my update there. I think Ming can speak for both of our updates. Wait, what? <laughs> what? That's a lot of updates because neither of you covered our uh, collective update. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. cover all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'll start chronologically. I guess with um, I think the biggest update is that Linda and I are now halfway vaccinated. Like we got our first Pfizer shot, so very exciting. I don't know. I feel like very um. I don't know, relief, I guess is the word. Very mm-hmm. relieved. Um, so we scheduled the shot for like the same time. And so we drove on Sunday morning and got it. And it was like a super easy process. And even more exciting is like now my whole family has at least gotten the first shot. So I'm feeling a lot more like comfy, even though, it's, I mean, we still have another one to go, but it is mm-hmm. a relief. But yeah, after we got the shot, we, um, went home and recovered for a few hours (laughs) and then uh sally picked us up and we drove over to hannah's house to celebrate her birthday and it was really nice because i haven't seen her since the fall when i went over to her backyard before but i think this is your first time seeing her since like college right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for our listeners who don't know hannah she is ming's old roommate she was on our podcast in the early episodes yeah first guest yeah first guest but yeah, it was nice seeing her and catching up. I feel like um, we got, we talked about this too after, but I feel like I'm always nervous before talking to someone I haven't seen in a while, um, like trying to think of all the things we can talk about and like, how are we going to fill up the time? But it always goes by, like the time goes by so quickly, especially because it was such a nice day outside and we were able to sit out in her like little forest clearing <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it was a nice talk. I don't know how you guys felt, but I'm glad we it went. It was nice. Mm-hmm. got to catch up on a lot of I don't know what we've been doing I guess in work but 
after that, we um, got to eat at a kimbap restaurant, which is really good. And then got the, the infamous tiger sugar bubble tea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what did you think about tiger sugar? Overrated or not? Nah? I mean, I liked the drink itself, but like mm-hmm. the actual place is very small and the price was kind of high. So. Yeah. <laughs> the price to volume like ratio was not very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would like you could go like how we treat Kung Fu tea mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, oh, just casual meetup. Like I feel like I, because it's so far and also expensive, you have to like plan like it's a tiger sugar treat <laughs> kind of occasion. <laughs> Yeah, I like how they yeah, had two really sizes fun. of balls, though. That was yeah. <laughs> a little pellet. <laughs> two different textures, too. It was nice, though, like, riding in Sally's car. It felt, like, very nostalgic, almost back to, like, when in college we'd go on, like, weekend, like, kind of, you know, trips. Like, yeah. For, you know, go to Virginia or something like that together. Mm-hmm. It felt very nice. Yeah, so. we, we bumped K-pop on the way there, and then we bumped country <laughs> on the way back. So we hit all the points. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, overall good weekend, and I guess we none of us really talked about work, but good work week for me too. So yes, that was a very is that your personal update? Maybe? Yeah, that was my personal update. Very uplifting. Mm-hmm. Oh, at work today, I got an SE gift card from my supervisor, which was really nice. And it's for like Administrative Professionals Day, which oh. I didn't know it was even happening. But I didn't know that, that was, was a really day. nice. Yeah. Apparently, they got it wrong because it's next week. Oh, oh that's <laughs> And then funny. they told me after. Yeah. But excited to go shopping on Etsy. Mm-hmm. What will you what buy? Will you, buy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, some bits and bobs. Maybe our guest will recommend. (laughs) So on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Her name is Jessica, and we brought her here onto our podcast today to talk about her experience being a small business owner. And she runs this Etsy shop called Lost as Jess, where she makes tons of beautiful earrings by hand. And we wanted to ask her all about her experience um, running the shop and also how she got into making earrings. But first off, um, I know you have a very different background from what you're doing now. So Jessica, would you like to talk about your background and then how you got into jewelry making later on? Uh, Yes. Uh, Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Jessica. And um, thank you for having me, first of all, here. Um, I'm very grateful. And um, so I actually graduated with an architecture degree. Um, I do still work at an architecture office, but I, I guess this is um, a small business I started uh, when I was in between jobs. And yeah, this is where I am now. Yeah, I guess that was one of the questions we were going to ask later on if this was if your Etsy business was more of like a side job or uh, your main job, but since you're working at the architecture um, job now, like when you majored in architecture, like, did you have any interest in jewelry then? Or it was just, how did you actually pick that up? Because I think all of us picked up some hobbies, especially during like COVID, but was jewelry always like something you loved doing and making? Uh, So I... I basically, I was making like small little trinkets or jewelry since I was little. And it was just, it was never really something that I thought could become a business when I was small. Because, you know, growing up in an Asian household, your mom's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you should, 
mm-hmm. you should be studying. And then um, she she basically, she, well, I mean, I mean, I kind of see where they're coming from when you know you're that little. But um, when I got into architecture school, I realized like it's something you can take to another level, especially with um, the technology we have in school, and also. It's very, and also the way you design, because in architecture school, they do teach you how to design a certain way. And that change, um, or, well, I would say affected the way um, I design all of my pieces. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wait, what do so, you mean? Like, how did it change? Yeah. Really? yeah. Um, because, you know, um, when, before I really approached design as um a major they will like you know even in high school they'll really they won't really um teach you how to design a certain way where there's you know um first you start with uh, probably sketches and then you'll go into um more like research um as in market research like different color palettes um Mm. your main purpose of the design or if there's um you know there's a message you're trying to bring across whereas um and then you will go into you know, the prototyping stage and then the mass production stage. And then eventually you'll release it to the market. Whereas um, before I'll just be like, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just draw something pretty. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like your uh, the background in architecture kind of helped you along with this, this um, jewelry making kind of side business. Mm-hmm. Actually, going back to architecture for a minute, um, you you mentioned that your parents like kind of persuaded you against doing anything <laughs> jewelry when you were young formally, but honestly, um, I think architecture is kind of a unique major or career path. At least among our friend group, um, it's definitely like your classic kind of like STEM pre med kind of like <laughs> maybe some business or CS people. So I'm actually curious about architecture. Like, was that something that you or you still have passion for, or was that also like some? something from your parents' kind of guidance? Um, so funny thing is, uh, the reason I originally wanted to do fine arts when I was younger, when I was in high school. And then um, I feel like architecture is the closest thing to fine arts without being, um, without kind of disappointing your parents. And that, that is kind of <laughs> the major I chose. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, that makes sense. But I do really like architecture, you know, um, it it taught me like especially being in architecture school and design studio it taught me a lot i did make a lot of close friends while i was in college mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i do so want to even oh sorry i do want to eventually pursue my um architecture degree which i'm in the process of doing oh nice oh. so how did you find the time to get this <laughs> shop started like on the side while also doing architecture um, so to, I guess I, I would have to go back to, um, my job history. So I, my first job out of college was at a landmark restoration, um, firm. So usually for landmark restoration, um, it's not the like ideal dream job, I guess a typical designer would want when you graduate from college, because you're expecting to, you know, design these skyscrapers or you're expected, like mm-hmm. you thought you would design these like beautiful showrooms, beautiful bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And then you're stuck with fixing all the buildings around the city. <laughs> and um, 
And especially with landmarks, um, it's a very tedious and long process. And it just, I, I guess it left a bad taste in my mouth with, with what architecture was. Um, mm. And I eventually ended up um, quitting that job. And as you know, I was just, one day I was just like, you know, I, I really don't like this job. I, I, I think I should leave. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of quit with no backup plan. I didn't have a job lined up, which was very unlike me because usually I have, you know, like something I can actually go back mm. to, but there was nothing. So I, I kind of just quit on the whim. And for, I think of a couple months, I was very lost because um, here I am all my life. I've had always a plan, but now I'm just like, wow, like I really have nothing to do tomorrow. Like, so, so what? Mm-hmm. And I was walking um, through Chinatown one day and I was looking at, um, I don't know if they have this in your city, but they had those prosperity, not like lights that was up, like um, it was hanging up. And I was like, wow, like this Mm -hmm. will look really nice as an earring. And, (laughs) and that's when I started my first pair of earrings, which is the prosperity knot. Oh, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's literally inspiration from your surroundings. (laughs) (laughs) So is that why your shop is, that- is called Lost as Jess? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> do you oh, still relatable. feel like do um, you feel like that title is still like applicable? I think to you? so because yeah. I feel like as an adult, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm still like just kind of mm-hmm. you know like, just living each day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you were talking about like. Um, having nothing to do when you like first wake up and being unsure Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you know this but the three of us graduated from college in the spring last spring so when COVID was happening and none of us well actually Sally had a job lined up but none of the like Lynn and I had like something for sure lined up so it was kind of like that same feeling of being lost and I guess it's a little different being like straight out post-grad versus like actually like having a job and then like choosing to to quit and find something new but it's still that feeling of like like super lost and we'll probably still feel that I think so and I think it's very relatable to especially people our age because especially during this time I think uh even though I had a job it like job security was I guess it was like the topic that was always brought up between our group of friends because you know like every week in the group chat you'll you'll hear like about somebody that got laid off or someone that's still looking Mm -hmm. for a job and Mm -hmm. it's very stressful Mm -hmm. do you feel like being in quarantine affected your work on your earrings and things like that you know how people have like your quarantine creative burst (laughs) did you feel like you had more time or was it more stressful um so I feel like it was a combination of a lot of things that affected um because this year, well not this year, last year I didn't produce as many designs, but um it was actually partly because of everything that's going on and you know a lot happened. So to give you a little, mm-hmm. you know, backstory I guess. Uh so before the whole um quarantine situation, I don't know if you guys heard a lot about what happened in New York, but um there were just um, huge layoffs everywhere um, before everybody was allowed to work from home. And yeah, that actually happened in my company. So mm-hmm. there was um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, eventually we'll be able to work from home, but they never gave clear instructions. So everybody was just reporting to work normally. 
And then the most stressful day was when we all went to work one day. We thought, you know, we thought everything was normal. And eventually by like lunchtime around one by one, people were called into like the CEO's office and you were either laid off or you, you got to stay and you can tell who got laid Mm. off because, uh, you know, right after they came back to their desk, they either started packing or they just sat down and kept working. And uh, you know, like some people started like crying by their desk because you you really don't yeah. know what's going to happen to you. And so after that, like that was the day they announced like we can work from home. And I was like, wow, like really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was, yeah, especially for me, um, all the, so there was this, these group of friends I actually ate lunch with and they, they all got laid off. So there was there was oh. no one to talk to about work, and you know you have to work from home alone. And for that, I think that whole month it was just um, there. I was just very lost again because uh, on top of the fifty percent layoff in our company, um, they the government actually decided to hold construction for a week. Um, and well, eventually they they brought construction back. They it was deemed essential work because I guess they realized how much money they would lose if they stopped all construction mm. throughout mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. But for that week, our boss was just emailing us like, "Oh, you you know, you guys, we're not sure what's going to happen, but just do whatever you can." But at, you know, at the same time, every all the funds were frozen. Everything was stopped because. Even, you know, even the owners and our clients, they don't know what's going to happen to their company. So, you know, the design and like new construction is not the first thing they're going to worry about. Hmm. Mm. That's so scary. I guess it's a new perspective for us because we're so worried about finding a job in the first Mm -hmm. place and not being unemployed that Mm -hmm. it sounds really hard for like you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I understand the struggle you guys are going through, and I hope you guys one day will find something you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you? Um, I guess how did you really cr- like go to Etsy? Like, know to take your shop digitally, I guess, or did you sell them kind of off Etsy beforehand? Like, how did you kind of formalize your process of? I don't know, just creating for yourself versus like creating to sell. And were you more selling to, um, I don't know, get some income, make make a little side money? Or was it really just because you, you wanted to share the earrings? Like, what was your thought process behind like setting up the shop, I guess? Um, so when I was in between jobs, um, when I quit the landmark restoration job, uh, I I basically started making these prototypes, but um, they. Well, so they were the first prototypes I made were terrible. They were they were falling apart. Um, <laughs> like yeah, the second like you would pick them up, they'll just <laughs> crumble. So I'm like, okay, I can't really sell these, but um, maybe I can at least have like somebody have their input on them, or like you know if designs can like be changed, or if there's anything they really don't like about it. So um coincidentally well so my friend at the time Cynthia well she's still my friend I don't know why I said my friend at the time but um, (laughs) my friend Cynthia she um she decided to host these um mini art shows um in the city she um we we try to host them every couple of months where she would 
there because a lot of our friends are artists and there's not really a way to really display all our work but uh, we would rent out these uh, art showrooms for probably a whole day or at the weekend and then they'll get to um, put their you know their prints their uh, artwork in the different spaces and they can either sell or auction off their work or yeah and that's where it started so that's where I showcased my first mm. prototypes and eventually um, I got together with this other group of artists I met through um, there and also some friends in architecture school that they actually also started their own jewelry brands. Um, so we we got together because everybody was actually also looking for a job that time. So, you know, everybody was just mm-hmm. <laughs> lost in the city. But um, we decided to help each other out. And we thought Etsy was a pretty comfortable platform to sell on just because it's made for, you know, artists or it's made for people that craft. And that's where we started. And I I really like um, how Etsy has um, everything set up for you. So there's there's nothing really to worry about or there's they, they can even help you file your taxes. So that's really, I actually really like selling their Etsy. So how did you get your, besides like your story of the prosperity knot that you shared, Mm -hmm. how do you get your inspiration for these designs? Or is there a specific thing that you're more leaning towards? Like I noticed that a lot of your designs are Asian inspired or East Asian inspired. Um, So is that like your brand or is that just like a coincidence? They're all so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's from a mixture of everything, I guess. It's, there's a lot of items, well, common items I saw growing up or common patterns that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And if if there's like things like that, that's on the back of your mind, you're, you kind of just um, subconsciously incorporate them into your design. Mm-hmm. Wait, that actually makes sense because um, I guess it's like, like Lynn and I kind of draw a little bit. Like I'm definitely not, I'm not on Etsy and uh, Lynn more of a, a small artist or artist than I am, but it, like the idea of like motifs and like similar things that you always get drawn or that you always want to draw or like that mm-hmm. always keeps coming back. That That's kind of like, I could see that. And I definitely see that in your um, earring designs. Mm-hmm. It's like similar themes um, throughout your earrings, which I think makes them really, I guess unique, but they're also like uniquely yours. Aww. So like they're, they're very identifiable, <laughs> at least just looking at your Etsy page. And I think that's really hard to to do, especially when you're like selling to people with maybe like different tastes or like to so many different people. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Oh, actually, do you have like an audience in mind when you're making these earrings? Do you have like, oh, I'm going to make this for, you know, other Asian people or things like that because I was thinking wouldn't it be weird if a white person wore like the prosperity knot or stuff like that like I guess what do you think mm, so I I guess when with each design I do have like a muse or like a specific person I'm designing that pair for in mind oh. but um but actually when I saw on Etsy I do like notice that there are people like like people from many different countries also order like there's 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 this one girl from um Poland I think that she she ordered almost every single pair and she wow. she didn't really fit I guess like um 
the image I was mm. expect I was expecting or like the clientele I was expecting, but I'm really glad that she likes my work and she decided to support it. Mm. Mm. That's really cool with like Etsy that you can see like mm-hmm. where yeah. people are coming from yeah. to buy and it's like really worldwide worldwide customers. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. how do you um like do you ever feel like you're like stuck in a kind of creative rut or like do you always have ideas that come to mind, you know, when you're making new jewelry or are you like fine with like just making the designs that you have currently? Like what is your process when it comes to like I- ideas? Um, so it's, it kind of comes and goes, you know, there are periods where you have like dry spells where you really can't put anything on a piece of paper and you'll just mm-hmm. have like, you know, hundreds of doodles on this like one little like file that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I actually have like a file where it's just, you know, it's just lines that I can't really like, you know, push to the next level yet. But then there are, there are certain days where you just you're just looking at an object and within like an hour you come up with a design. So, you know, it's very comforting. Or, you know, at sometimes at three in the morning you'll wake up and you'll be like, wait, that that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what you said about the prosperity not seen on the street, that's like what you see in movies where like people like, <gasps> like the light bulb above the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they get the idea. Yeah. So what is your production process like? Is it so you're the only one working like in your shop, I assume, yes. right? So you have to make all the pieces kind of mass produce them yourself? Uh yes. And how so, do you make them? Um how do I make so um usually it's the design process first, which is like the sketching process. Um mm-hmm. and then that's usually the longest process because um prototyping you kind of have more or less an idea of what colors you want, what materials you want, um, and everything's already drawn out. But for the design process, if there's, you know, if there's not an actual form, you can be stuck in that for like a whole month. Whereas prototyping, Mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you have something that's already drawn, you can just tweak it slightly and that'll take probably, I would say a day or two if you're actually working on prototyping. And then you'll have to probably gather materials and worry about mass production. So what I usually do for one design is I make it in batches. It's actually easier than, you know, making each each individual one as like when someone orders because that'll, yeah. that'll take a lot longer. And I usually make uh, 20 pairs of one type of earring if, it, if there's like a low stock. Mm. And I'll just restock mm. the store. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's a really so smart cool. process yeah it sounds so much like a like industrial like manufacturing process but it's so low scale mm-hmm. so I, I don't even think that like I don't usually think of all these steps when I see like small businesses but it's interesting how you have to go through all the process just as like a bigger company would mm-hmm. and you you'll realize if you ever end up opening a shop of your own you have to do everything <laughs> yeah yeah sally yeah. you can do the pottery oh man <laughs> i guess since you do everything after the designing you still have to like you know take pictures of it and find models mm. i noticed all your pictures on the instagram page are so, so like aesthetic. professional yeah. so you have to manage that too right like how do you go about you know marketing your work after you made it 
Um, so funny story about that, actually. Um, there's uh, you guys will probably know about Asian Creative Network, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I met this girl through Asian Creative Network. I actually never met this girl in real life, but shout out to um, Joey. Um, she's <laughs> she's the photographer for most of the, the the posts on my page, and she's she just really supports my work. And she, whenever I send her a piece of jewelry, she'll just photograph it for me. Oh, yeah, and she's oh, so cool. So she's nice. a great great yeah. director. Wow, that's really um like when people talk about like using tech and like in this new with all these new tech things like the things that you can do the fact that you guys haven't even met and mm-hmm. you're able to just communicate and produce such like high quality and I guess and just like beautiful photos like mm-hmm. I think that's what first caught my eye when my friend told me about your shop was I went to your Instagram and it was like such themed photos it was so intentional and like really thoughtful it seemed like so. It's cool to hear that it was just from like networking because I think Linda has talked about the Asian creative network before, but Mm -hmm. like sometimes it's intimidating or overwhelming to see so many like so many people creating and like talking about their work in one space Mm -hmm. and like the fact that you found someone from that. Yeah. Were you like Mm -hmm. posting to find someone or? Um, I actually wasn't posting to look for a photographer, but it just... Mm. I guess everything just fell in place because there was because this girl just started um using um some of my earrings in her photo shoots um mm. that she did and there was one day where I I kind of just reached out to her and I was like hey um like can you share the photos with me I'll like I'll send some type of compensation and she's actually never asked for any type of compensation she just wanted the oh. earrings oh. which is That's really so sweet nice. of her but yeah, I do. I do want to meet her one day. You know, when once this is all over. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the most intimidating thing about these um, creative networks is like reaching out and worrying whether like our what we have to give is like valued high enough compared to what we're asking for. Like especially when we're like this is a little bit different from like creative network, but when we're looking for guests on our podcast, we're always like, Oh, is our podcast like big enough to have such an like established person on? Well, I, one thing I want to say about that is, you know, the worst they can say is no, but the fact that yeah. like, you know, if you guys reach out to them, that's, that's your first step. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a always good advice yeah. to like literally just, the worst yeah. that could be was no because it's like you know applying for a job also you're submitting a resume to someone you know it's mm. you know if the ball's in their playground it's their it, yeah they they can like choose whether to say no or not but at the same time you still have to make the first move right mm-hmm. yeah I found a job through Asian Creative Network before mm. and it's because like when there's like a third people post Instagram so I feel like once you move off of Facebook and into Instagram and then you become mutuals Mm-hmm. And then they go into the group and then they like mm-hmm. tag you in things that they think you might like, which is so nice because they're like thinking of you and mm-hmm. your work, that type of thing. So it's pretty powerful, I guess. Yeah, I feel like that that was a really great um, group they created for creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess speaking, um, I guess to the marketing end of it, mm-hmm. since we're on the topic of kind of like Instagram photos, like are you intentionally marketing your shop to grow? Like, are you in a growth mindset in terms of, I know that you still have like a full-time job. So 
are you interested in growing the side business into like maybe full time? And I guess on top of that, like, do you still consider it a fun hobby? Because I think that's sometimes something that we run into, like we all have our own little side hobbies. But like, even the idea of putting it on Instagram or making an Instagram account for it, sometimes it's like, do I really want to be like, constantly posting and then like, feeling that pressure when it just started out as like a fun passion project? Like, I guess that transition into like, is it still passion for you? Um, so the question regarding marketing of pushing it to the mm-hmm. next step, yes. Um, so I'm actually looking into uh, TikTok. Um, might be Ooh. filming TikTok videos of how um, certain pieces are made just because I've heard like it's a great platform, for, especially for small business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um, and in regards to... I guess pushing the business to the next step, I do intend to. I, you know, I don't know where this is going to go in the next couple of years, but if it grows, I'm really happy. If it, if it stays more or less the same, I'm actually okay with that too, because I do have, you know, a full-time job to manage. I do eventually want to get my architecture license. And if it grows mm-hmm. like, you know, too big to handle, I don't think I'll be able to do both. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. But I guess with TikTok, you have to be like, I feel like TikTok, that's how I found so many like small Mm -hmm. businesses recently, especially like Etsy shops, because everyone loves seeing like the little progress and like someone putting it together or like Mm -hmm. going the behind the scenes, especially when it's like with like that popular music. So the algorithm just picks it up. (laughs) Yeah, it's like TikTok is like kind of like a wildfire. Like it might just pick up your video and you'll like go viral. (laughs) that's really cool though because I guess when you have a small business and it's just you running like you are the marketing team you have to think of like ways to like do it that's that's like no cost to you but also can really get you far so that's cool that you're moving to TikTok thank you Mm -hmm. um so I am actually working on a collab with two different um artists um but we we're trying to keep that on the down low until next month so mm. i can't disclose any more of that but there there is um mm. two collabs coming up soon Ooh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of uh your question regarding whether this is still a passion um not gonna lie when it comes to certain parts of the business mm. it's not you know, I guess as fun as the other parts, like, um, especially the packaging part, you know, you de- you definitely have to get mm-hmm. the product out to people, but it can take up a lot of time, especially if you want to put care in your packaging. Mm-hmm. And I think the most, uh, the funnest part is probably the d- design and prototyping and, you know, like mass producing part. But other than that, um, you know, the other things like bookkeeping, um, you know, filing taxes, <laughs> yeah. um, all the adulting thing. It's that's that that's where I draw the line. I guess that's where I'm like, oh, this is not really fun, but <laughs> but I have yeah. to do all this mm-hmm. to do like you know all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah taxes. Ever, <laughs> do you ever recruit your like your friends or family to help you with like all the packaging, mass reducing parts? Um. I do kind of feel bad because it's still like a small <laughs> thing, so I kind of just yeah. do it by myself right now. Uh. <laughs> I guess on like kind of off that note, like, um, do your 
coworkers know about your shop or like are they aware that you have a side kind of shop going because uh we've talked about like the fact that sometimes our coworkers will like call us out for having a podcast <laughs> it's kind of like let's not talk about this here um i think it depends on what like coworker you talk to because there are like mm-hmm. you know the super arty coworkers that like love to support your shop but then they'll be like the coworkers that are very like stern and they're just here for the job. They don't care about anything else and then yeah, you can't really talk to them about anything. Right. Like do you actively I guess try to keep it on the down low? I guess when you're working. Yeah, I think because I work for a more um corporate office, they mm. is they're very stern when it comes to like certain things. So I do have to kind of keep it on the down low. Like I can't really ship my packages like at work or, you know, mm-hmm. I just have to do everything behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's interesting that you're doing like corporate in the day and like small <laughs> creative at night. <laughs> but I guess cuz you're doing actually I don't know what it entails in be working in architecture, but in corp in the corporate world is it still like creative or do you feel like you're really doing your creative outlet like at home um it really depends on i guess your position at work because for our and the office you work for actually because for our office we're more focused on site safety on the job sites now we're not really designing mm. as much anymore just because that's that's the demand right now and um it's usually so at work um, my typical day would be um, site visits in the morning and then in the afternoon I'll do um, probably some drawings and then we'll file certain things with department of buildings mm-hmm. whereas um, if you work for a more design-based firm or interior design firm it's more um, fun you get to choose out more color palettes you um, there's um, you know you can d- actually design certain things in the building but again like if you're a new or like a new junior architect in the office you can't you don't really get to design you'll you'll probably just be helping out with the drawings and like the all the the bookkeeping and everything else mm. is that your title junior architect um my title at work is actually site safety manager oh okay mm-hmm. yeah i guess i don't really think of of any of that when I think of like architecture like it sounds so glamorous of just like mm-hmm. drafting like the cool like the designs or, or like, something yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But, like stuff like safety is actually important and like I, you completely forget about that yeah that's actually uh, I mean the the ones that pull out a pen and just like draw over the place <laughs> is usually the boss of the company <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> or they're, maybe they're someday just, yeah <laughs> hopefully with your architecture degree you can rise in the ranks hopefully (laughs) or maybe completely like grow your business and that's all you do from there like making jewelry like would you want to I guess this gets more into like um, expansion and growth or future plants like would you want to expand into like other types of jewelry or um, maybe like hair accessories or like like where's your thoughts going in terms of products I guess so I do want to expand into other aspects of um, the jewelry and not just earrings because right now we're looking into other items and and not just earrings Um, uh, I don't know where it's going to go just because the prototyping stage usually takes the longest and I want to make mm-hmm. sure that the items don't you know rust or tarnish before it's sent out to 
the buyers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like that's almost like more fun in a way, or I don't know. I'm just kind of like speaking like from what I've just heard, like from no experience, but it's almost like more fun. The idea of like, um, you don't know where it's going. So you basically can think of whatever you want to do. Like you can really expand in whatever direction you want to do. And I think that's, um, that's the appeal of like, not having your income attached yeah. to it, I guess, or like your main mm-hmm. income, like mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about if it, I mean, obviously you want it to be successful, but you don't have to necessarily worry about if it sells well, cause you still have your architecture job. But I could imagine like for some artists or, um, like jewelers who do connect their entire income to a shop, it can be like a little uncertain yeah more scary yeah i've noticed that um i don't know i i was on reddit for etsy users and um some of them said Mm -hmm. that you know their shops got closed or um they got really bad reviews and that just ruined like their entire shop Mm. and that's really scary because imagine just like your income depends on like you know your five-star ratings your income depends on like every like even little details like like pack the packaging of your product can ruin or like Mm -hmm. enhance your product that's that's scary then because then it feels like you're i don't know maybe that you're not creating as much as for yourself but worried about like how like appealing to yeah masses (laughs) more about the reviews and i think that's what the bigger brands like have to do also Mm. you know because they have a whole team of people that have to worry about you know how the public would react if this is released Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, if I release a little thing and nobody likes it, okay, nobody likes it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, also, like, just curious, how do you decide, like, the pricing for your earrings? Is there, like, a model where you take, like, the base cost and, like, how much time it takes and things like that? Do you have more, like, flexibility for determining how much? Um, it's usually depend. um it's on how much the materials are, which is usually the, the material cost because you're producing so many at once. It's relatively low, but you also mm-hmm. have to count labor into it, which is why some of the pieces are more expensive than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like um, I would be so uncertain about like um, how to price labor because it's like you don't want to undervalue yourself, mm-hmm. but you don't also want to be like, I don't know, super yeah. confident and like, I'm going to sell these for a million bucks. Like <laughs> the balancing the realistic versus like what it's actually worth, I guess. And worth can be debated. Yes, like for sure. Worth mm-hmm. is so subjective. Mm-hmm. So like, did you ever like consult your friends or your family and been like, what would you pay for this? Mm-hmm. Or was it more like a gut kind of feeling? It's mm-hmm. usually a gut feeling um, based on, well, the pricing is usually, uh, I do have a formula for it. You know, let's say if you spend about an hour on this pair, this one pair, and the, um, you know, the minimum wage is about $15 and materials mm-hmm. are about a dollar, you would, I would price it to around $20. But mm-hmm. depending on which crowd, I guess you ask, like if you ask the older generation, like our parents, say oh this is so expensive this is like plastic why are you pricing it at this like why is it twenty dollars whereas like some some people that are our age will be like oh you should you can charge like a couple dollars more so that that's like (laughs) 
Yeah, that's inflation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, that's such a good point. And I'm actually curious about your opinions of I know recently there's been a lot of like discussion about like um like the stop Asian hate mm-hmm. on or like especially social media. I'm really seeing it on Instagram. And a lot of the reaction that some people do is like, oh, support Asian, small Asian businesses like restaurants and like even like Etsy shops and things like that. Like, have you noticed any uptick in customers from this time? Or like, are you, I guess, I don't know, like as a small business owner, would I really want to rely on that? Or like, you know, see that as like, do you see as peaks when people are suddenly interested in like Asian owned businesses or like, I guess, what's your opinion or thought on that? Um, I think right now it's also hard to grasp, like, what's affecting the sales just because there's so many, like, you know, different factors. There's not only just one mm-hmm. factor, you know, there's the pandemic that's, like, is so at the start of the pandemic, actually, I was surprised that sales were steady or more or less, like, sometimes one, a couple times, like, usually by the end of the month, the sales would go up a slight bit. And that could be because most people are home now. So they have more time to Mm -hmm. scroll through their phones and they have, you know, the ones that still have a source of income will still, you know, purchase certain items. And, Mm -hmm. you know, usually the end of the month is payday. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't think uh, the whole Stop Asian Hate movement had an effect on my sales. But I do see that people are supporting more local business now businesses in Chinatown now which is you know I'm I'm glad that people are you know looking out for the community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. speaking yeah. of community um do you have like a community of people like I guess designers like you that are also running small businesses also selling similar things and like do you scope out kind of like scope out your competition <laughs> when you think of your design <laughs> So it's funny that you asked that because uh, I started this brand along with uh, three other girls at around the same time. We actually all mm-hmm. sell earrings. And I guess um, my competitions are my friends. I And we mm-hmm. sell very different um, designs and concepts. And I, you know, I like I'm willing to share um, their pages also, but I I'm glad I have them also because we do share and we piggyback ideas off of each other. Mm-hmm. And they actually all That's went cool. to architecture school. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool then. You have like a built-in community mm-hmm. just to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned like a collab, which I know you can't talk about, but are there any other future plans that you had in mind? Um, any like changes or any new ideas that you wanted to try in the future? Um, so the collab is actually going to feature uh, new ideas and new designs, like very different from what you usually see on the Instagram page. Mm. Okay. Okay. That'll pique everyone's interest. (laughs) Keep an eye out. When, like, when is it coming? Um, so right now we're almost done with most of the pieces when it comes to design um and that's actually also another thing usually when you design with another artist um it could be harder or easier depending on how you look at it because um usually it it takes longer because there's two people designing now it's just not it's not just you saying okay I want this exactly it's 
it's a, it's also about you know compromise and negotiation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like team projects. Yeah, like team projects. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also quicker when it comes to certain aspects, as in you know mass production. Mm-hmm. You have an extra pair of hands, or um, mm-hmm. and also when it comes to you know packaging, because you have some mm-hmm. like extra people. To All right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. I like how you think about packaging. That's like my favorite part to watch on like, you know how small businesses <laughs> have like blogs? Yeah, yes. unboxing or like a packaging where they just like stuff envelopes. I think it's so soothing, but I guess if you do it like a million times, you're like, this is so like, annoying. <laughs> but yeah, Wait. actually, so that's one thing I'm going to look more into is packaging because um, my packaging is very, you know, simple. It's just... Um, the jewelries and the boxes and my business cards, but I do want to give um, the buyer a different experience from now on. So expect more from the packaging side. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's so much, so many things to think about, like mm-hmm. so many little details that really, I guess, do make small businesses or stand out from like Amazon. <laughs> Or yeah. something like that. We're just like thrown or into just like in a bubble wrap. <laughs> Wait, I hate it at your door. Like <laughs> we throw it at you. And sometimes it's not even the right size. You know, there's like right. a box this exactly. big, and your item's like this tiny. <laughs> there's sometimes they'll like pack it with an extra packaging. And I'm like, this is so wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like every time you get something from a small business owner, you can like actually see that they like took time to yeah. put it together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's experience. why. Yeah, mm-hmm. those videos do so well on TikTok yeah. too. Going back to TikTok, <laughs> but it's like people like to see how much like actual time and care mm-hmm. is put into it, and then you can be like, yeah, and that's why it doesn't cost like two dollars like mm-hmm. Amazon <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Like people mm-hmm. have to put their time and uh, labor into it. But I guess for like a final question which is kind of a a large question, but do you have any advice for anyone who is interested in making maybe a small business or someone who's like kind of on the cusp of like they're making stuff for friends or stuff like that, but like they're not sure if they should take that next step, I guess, to move to Etsy or something? I guess, are you talking more about um, making a profit out of it or just having, putting it out there? I guess both, if you have maybe different tips for both, because I didn't think that it would be different, but if you have different Mm. opinions. So one advice, well, one huge advice I would give is um, probably don't be shy. And sometimes if you, because even if your product is not ready, even if it's 90% ready, you'll get great feedback by just putting it out there. Hmm. And yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good point. You know, never be afraid to ask. That's the, the, like I said, again, the worst they can say is no, and you just keep working on it. Because if, you know, if this one doesn't appreciate it, there, there are hundreds of others that will. And, hmm. and also a thing I, I want to, I guess, maybe say is if, if they're true friends, they'll actually support your business. You know, they'll, most of them will actually put out their money and they'll be like, you know, mm. you've got this, you, you mm. go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really great advice, really nice. especially the, the, the friend part. Like mm-hmm. so, sometimes like um, you get like words of encouragement, but like to actually see the money, like <laughs> put your, yeah. Yeah. Money where your mouth is. I've, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's what like I've, makes me super shy though. 
like I tell my friends like don't get it because I have like copies for you or something and then sometimes they like don't listen to me and get it but exactly don't be shy because most of the time your true friends will be the ones forking out the money you know your true friends Mm. will be the ones donating Mm. That's Good, true. Point. <laughs> Good point. Good <laughs> point. And labor's not Maybe. free. Just, just remember, your time is yeah, not free. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. Sometimes you have to be like really assertive with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you, if there are people that are, you know, asking you for certain jobs or asking you for certain services, and you have to be assertive with them. Just, I would just say, be careful, or you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe before we conclude, um, one last, last question is, <laughs> yes. what is your favorite desi- earring design that you've made? And could you describe it a little bit for listeners since they can't see it right now? Um, we'll promote it on Instagram, though. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. So <laughs> I think the, the favorite is definitely the prosperity knot because that's, mm-hmm. that's where it all started. <laughs> and um so the prosperity knot is a knot you usually carry around for a good fortune. It's usually something that's in red. It's I've seen it in other colors too. I've seen it in gold. I've seen it in blue and green. We actually do have a a, a green version of it, and it's hmm, describe it. It's it looks like a hmm, a weaved pattern that has um. <laughs> I don't know how to. Okay, so imagine like a very um, wide butterfly, I guess. It's mm, that has, mm-hmm. you know, the two wings on the sides and it has a square torso. And then it has this really long tail in the middle. Wait, Jess, I can definitely mm-hmm. tell you what to design school because that's such a like design way of thinking yeah. of describing yeah. it by like <laughs> shape of the the body like yeah but that that's nice that that's like your, your favorite one because i don't know i like when it's like full circle <laughs> when it like comes oh, like back thematically to the resonant yeah. yeah yeah thank you so much jess for coming on our podcast we know it was kind of out of nowhere but no no yeah I'm we like seeing you your work on instagram so it was really mm-hmm. exciting to have you come and talk to us i know we all learned a lot and we'll continue doing our little crafts and like shopping for small businesses and it's so exciting to see the whole like ecosystem of artists out there especially you know asian american women artists out there who we can support who we can see their work and enjoy it so that's really great did you want to like plug your etsy or your instagram or anything in your own words because we're gonna link it all oh yes uh so I, I would like to thank you all for having me. Um, it was I was actually surprised that you reached out to me because I was like, "Wow, me? Like, <laughs> what do you want to hear from me?" <laughs> but yeah, it's great to be here. And if you, I know you guys probably all have your side hobbies, your side, you know, hustles. And if you guys need help with it, don't feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them all. And uh, you guys can follow my work at loss underscore as Jess. And the Etsy shop is the same, Lost as Jess. Yay. Thank you, Jess. We'll definitely plug those and share it everywhere. So thank you for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. Thank yes. you so thank much. You. Thank you. 
If you like this episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at movingalongpod and check out our Medium blog for all of our bonus contents. You can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.